And the duck was special to our family because we'd seen it before. In May 2013 in Hong Kong. So we were pretty excited to make its acquaintance again. And it was great because it was just 45 minutes away from our home. So we traveled down to Brockville. We parked our car and we made our way down to the marina. We could see the giant yellow head above the height of the boat masts in the marina. And it was just how we remembered, but without all the massive skyscrapers of Kowloon Island in Hong Kong. But as we made our way towards the giant duck, Wendy stopped us. We turned around to see what had caught her attention. And in all our excitement about the duck, we didn't see the tunnel. But there it was. The first railway tunnel in Canada, now open to the public. Now, don't get me wrong. We always knew that the tunnel was there. We'd, we'd, we'd seen it before many times, sort of. You see, every time that we'd gone down to Brockville previously, all that we had seen of the tunnel was the shape of the tunnel entrance, a sign explaining about the history of the tunnel, and a load of iron railings blocking off the yawning black entrance. We'd always known the tunnel was there. But now we knew the tunnel was there. Because the iron bars were gone, it was lit up with all sorts of crazy colors, and there were people walking into it. Now we were officially distracted from the giant yellow duck. That could wait. And so as we walked into the tunnel, amazed at the coolness of it and the stalactites hanging from the walls and the dampness and the echo and the light show. But the best thing about the tunnel is that we could see now that the tunnel led somewhere. We could see the light at the end of the tunnel. I was recently listening to a pastor that I respect a lot, a preacher that I respect a lot. And he told the story of when he was, he was visiting a university in Europe and he stood in front of a crowd of university students, most of whom were not Christians. And he said to them, I'm going to share with you the most, most terrifying truth in the Bible. And after waiting until they were poised on the edge of their seats, this preacher said to them, the most terrifying truth in Scripture is that God is good. He said that some people started snickering, and some even asked, well, what's the problem with a good God? Why is that bad news? Why is it it terrifying that God is good? And his answer to them was this. It's terrifying to know that God is good, because we are not. And this really is the question. What does a good God do with people like us? People who are sinners. People like Zach and Adrian. People like you and I. People who've sinned against him. And people who've sinned against others. You see, God is just. He is righteous. We say to God, well, why can't you just forgive sinners? We, we think it's an easy solution for him, that he's all powerful. Therefore, why can't he just say, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to wipe you clean. But here is the problem. Here's the dilemma. Because God is good, because God is just, because God is holy, he must act according to his nature. And we all intuitively understand this. God cannot simply pardon people. We'd like to think that he can. We'd like to think he can just, he can just walk over and flip this heavenly switch 
and suddenly everything's okay. But his character won't allow this. His goodness won't let him do this. He can't just simply forgive us. Which leaves us with a really big problem. In fact, it's the biggest problem that you will ever face. Your debt, your relationship struggles, your search for purpose in life, your frustration in work, all these pale in comparison with the fact that we will one day have to face a God who is just, who is good. Think about it. How can a holy God, a good God, cause sinful people like you and me to have a relationship with him, to be in his presence? He cannot. And this is our big problem. When I was a kid, I remember when my sister and brother one time, well, they got angry with me many times, but I remember one specific time when my brother and sister got really angry with me. We were in a sweetie shop with my grandma and she told us that we could pick out some sweets and that she would, she would pay for them. And for some reason, I can't remember why, but I came out of that sweet shop with more sweets than my brother and my sister. And of course, they weren't happy about this. And they let me know this because in their minds, I'd taken advantage of my grandma and I picked out too many sweets. And, gr- and my grandma, because she was nice, she let me have them. And I guess as well that my brother and sister were also angry with me because they'd not thought of it. (laughs) They'd missed the opportunity. And so from our very youngest age, we understand intuitively that some things are fair and some things are not fair. As adults, we call the fair things just and the unfair things unjust. And the funny thing is, is that as we grow older, we understand these terms more and more and what they mean, but we, get to tend, but, but we tend to get rather fuzzy about the actual things themselves. Let me give you some examples. We know as a child that to steal is wrong, but as grown-ups, we sometimes fudge our taxes a little bit. We know that as a child to lie is wrong, but as grown-ups we post things on Facebook that make us look good that aren't necessarily exactly true. As children we know that we should not hurt others, but as adults we can say or do things that can leave others feeling this high and we say it's okay because we're just being honest. So whether we're children or whether we're grown-ups, we all know that to do wrong things and hurtful things to God and others is wrong. And God has a word for this. He calls it sin. Now, I know that today sin is not a very popular word. In fact, sin has never been a very popular word. But sin shows me and it shows you that we will never be good enough to come near to a God who is good and righteous. A God who says in the Bible that we are guilty and who says that he cannot just flip a switch to forgive us. In fact, in the book of Exodus, he says this. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is a description of him. This is how he describes himself. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, which is sin, and transgression, which is sin. And this all sounds good so far. This is a God that we can really get along with. He's full of love. He forgives. But then the verse carries on. It says this, but who will by no means clear the guilty? And that's not such good news. In fact, that's terrible news for me and you that God will 
by no means clear the guilty. In that same verse, if you were listening, God says that he forgives sin, but he will by no means clear the guilty. Let's just stop there for a moment because this sounds pretty confusing. God forgives, but he won't forgive. Which is it? Will, will you forgive God or will you not forgive? Well, it's really quite simple. God forgives those who come to him and ask for it, but he won't forgive those who don't come to him and ask for it. Why should he? Because if he does that, he's kind of forcing something on you that you're not even asking for in the first place. And God respects our free will. So what do we do with this sin that we've, we've done? What do we do with the guilt that we feel? Because in our quieter moments at home, and we heard this from Zach and from Adrian, in our quieter moments at home, when we turn off Spotify, when we turn off Netflix, and we have some time with our thoughts, we all realize that we are guilty. We've all felt that feeling. Some of us have learned how to shh the voice of our conscience. Some of us have learned to ignore it through medication or drink. Some of us are hoping that the good things that we do will somehow outweigh the bad things on some kind of a cosmic weighing scale. And there's lots of people who think this way, but it's not true. God says that he cannot clear the guilty. And the Bible elsewhere says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed God's standard. It's not about whether our good deeds are less than our bad deeds. Think about it this way. Imagine if your friend came up to you one day and said, I have lice. Come and rub your head against mine. Look, I don't have a lot of lice. Okay, I have some lice, but it's not that much. And I don't have as much lice as so-and-so. So come on, let's put our heads together. (laughs) Would you go and rub your head against theirs? Probably not. Because the issue isn't how much lice. The issue is lice. Full stop. Because lice is gross and itchy and it takes a lot of effort and time to get out. So enough about lice. Let's now talk about sin. And the reality that we are sinful and we cannot come near a good God. This is bad news. Because he's the one that we long for. And he's the one that we will continue to feel incomplete without. Because we were made for him. If we don't worship God, we're like a dog that has never chased a stick. We're like a combine that has never harvested. We're like a backyard pool that has never been filled up with water. We're like a tablet that has never had an app installed on it. We're missing our purpose in life if we don't worship God. There was this guy called Augustine who lived in a city called Hippo, which incidentally wins the competition for city with the coolest name. And he tried all of the pleasures of this world, and then he discovered God. And, and he said this, after, after, after discovering God, he said this, Our hearts were made for you, O Lord, and they are restless until they find their rest in you. Think about that. What an amazing phrase. Our hearts were made for you, O God, and our hearts are restless until they found their rest in, their rest in you. And I wonder, is this how you are feeling this morning? Are you feeling this restlessness, this longing that is maybe undefined at the moment, but it won't go away? It just won't leave you alone. 
let me tell you what this is. This is God calling to you. And the bad news is that God is good and we are not. But the good news is that there is good news. Let me read to you from 1 Peter 3 verse 18. It says this. Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Let me say that again. Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. What does this say? It says that Jesus suffered for sins. He died. This means he took all of the punishment that you deserve and that I deserve. It says that even though Jesus was righteous, he paid the penalty for our sin so that he might bring us to Father God. And this is what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago in Palestine. And so from a human level, all that we can see is the sad story of a good man dying a terrible death, an unjust death on a cross, one more injustice in the world. But if we could put on glasses that help us see the spiritual dimension, we would see something else entirely. We would see God's anger against sin, because remember, God is good, God is just, God is righteous. He has to punish sin. So we would see God's anger against sin pouring down on this one human being, and instead of him being destroyed, he takes it in more and more and more, like an eternal sin sponge. And he could do this because Jesus wasn't just a man, he was God as well. So on the cross, he, he dealt with our pride and our envy, our unfaithfulness, our anger. Every bad thought or thing that you've ever done or ever will do, Jesus paid for it on the cross. He lived the hell that you deserve and that I deserve. And then he died. He stayed in the grave for two days. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. He's the only person who has ever done this. On the cross, he paid for our sins in a spectacular and a mighty way. And when he rose from the dead, he proved to the world that he was God and that he's stronger than sin and death and hell. All of the problems that you have in your life, he's stronger than that. And he did this for you. I was talking with my friend Emily the other day. Emily is from Brockville. And I was telling her about how on the weekend I was so excited to walk through the railway tunnel in Brockville. Then Emily said to me something like this. She said, I've lived in Brockville all of my life and I never knew that tunnel was there or that it was so long. (laughs) These words jumped out to me. Emily had lived in Brockville her whole life. She'd looked at that tunnel entrance and that cast iron gate in front of it. Perhaps even she'd peeked through it once or twice and all she could see was black. But one day the tunnel opened. At that moment, she realized that the tunnel existed, even though that tunnel had always been there. And that's kind of how it is with us humans. Many of us go through life feeling terrible about our choices in life. We regret the things that we've done. We are sorry for how we've hurt other people. We know on a deep level that we've hurt God who loves us so much. And we long for one thing. We long for a reset switch. But we know that because of our sin, we can never come near to him because he is good. For us, that tunnel has been closed. It looks like there are bars on the tunnel and it all looks black. So what's the point? Well, I'm here to tell you today 
that that tunnel is open. In fact, it's been open your whole life. And it's a spectacular tunnel. And it tells us that God is not far off. He's, he's not distant. Yes, he's angry with the way that your sin and the sin of others has left so many people broken. But he loves you so much. In fact, he loves you so much that he opened the way for you to come to him. Just as one day the province of Ontario opened that tunnel so that we can get from one side over to the other. The door has been opened. But imagine if I went up to someone and I said to them, hey, the train tunnel in Brockville is open. You should go see it. It's amazing. And they said to me, don't be silly. I've been there time and time again. And it's always been barred shut. It's never been opened. Why would it be open now? That person would never get to experience the wonders of the tunnel. Or imagine if I went up to someone and and I told them about the tunnel. And they said to me, yeah, I believe you. I'm sure it's really cool. I'll have to check it out one day. But there's a great series on Netflix that I'm binge watching at the moment. And I don't really have the energy. Or think if that person said to me, that tunnel being open is true for you. And I'm happy for you. But it's not true for me. What? Either the tunnel is open or it's not. It's an either or. It's either closed to everyone or it's open to everyone. It's either true or it's not. And and the good news is that there is a tunnel. And you're on one side and a holy God is on the other side. You know that you have a sin problem and you know that you cannot sort it out yourself. You, you know that you cannot get rid of the guilty feelings yourself. You've tried. You've tried to drink them away. And you've tried to, to, to get rid of them by, by going to a counselor. And you've tried to pretend that they're not there. And you've tried to drown them out by living and playing hard. You've tried to get rid of them by being good and religious. But that's like tapping on a rock face with a Q-tip. You see other people, you see other religions who are trying to chip at the rock face with their Q-tip. Trying to reach God, but that won't work. We can never reach God by our own efforts. It's as ludicrous as someone hitting a rock face with a Q-tip and hoping that a hole opens up. But the good news is that God has done everything to reach us, to reach you. And this is how In the moment of Jesus' death, it was like a huge cataclysmic global TNT charge went off and the tunnel opened. For the first time in history, there was light at the end of the tunnel. So the only way for you to get rid of of the baggage of sin and regret and shame is to walk through the tunnel. We call this act of walking through the tunnel repentance and faith. It's a bit of a scary thing to do because you've never done it before. And you're not entirely sure what's on the other side. But you know that this tunnel of repentance and faith is the only way to get to God. Repentance is saying, God, would you forgive me? Cleanse me. From now on, help me to live a new life. And faith is saying, I believe in you, Jesus. Even though I don't know everything about you yet, I believe in you enough to take this step. In 1 Peter 3.18, God says, for Christ suffered once for sins, it's done. The righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. 
And that verse is as true now as it was when it was first written. Jesus suffered and died that he might bring us to God. Jesus is at the entrance to the tunnel, inviting you to come and die to your way of living and to instead live to God. Jesus is inviting you to a life where your sin record is eradicated, as we sang in that song, where your past is history and where your future is his story. Your past is history and your future is his story. Maybe you're thinking, Flip, I didn't come here for the big sin message. I just came here for the barbecue. And that's okay because we're going to have a barbecue soon. But I didn't go to Brockville for the railway tunnel. I went to Brockville for the giant yellow rubber duck. But it's because of the duck that we saw the tunnel. We took the opportunity and we did not regret it one bit. So maybe you're here for the barbecue or for the games or because you wanted your neighbor to quit harassing you already. The main thing is, is that you're here now. And lo and behold, there's a tunnel in front of you. And I've gone through that tunnel. There's nothing like it. Many of us here have had Jesus lead us through that tunnel. It's incredible. In fact, we have a community of tunnel walkers here in North Gore. And we meet at Cornerstone Wesleyan Church on Prince of Wales every Sunday. We're a community of imperfect, broken people who are serving a perfect and a loving and a good God. We want to live our lives at the entrance to the tunnel. We want to show people that the tunnel is open. And that's what today is all about. It's about showing Jesus to you. It's introducing you to a God who loved you so much that he blasted a tunnel open to connect us to him. There's nothing that God wouldn't do to bring you to himself. And he's proved it. Jesus suffered and died to bring you to God And that's why he died. It's that simple. The tunnel is open. So if you want to find out more, or if you want to get a free Bible, come speak to me afterwards or the person who brought you here. I'd love to talk with you. On Sundays, we're actually going through right now a sermon series um, about how we can find joy in the middle of life's hardships. So if if that resonates with you, I'd love to see you there. So as, as the worship band comes up, as Curtis comes up, Let me close in prayer. They're going to sing a tunnel walking song. It's called, I have decided to follow Jesus. And if you feel that you've heard the voice of God speaking to you here today, if you feel that you've had enough of doing life on your own, if you want to sign the ownership over to God, if you want to walk through that tunnel, then use this song to simply say to Jesus that this is what you want. If if you want to experience what Zach and Adrian have experienced, then this new life, then you can tell Jesus during this song. Simply say three words. Say, sorry, I'm sorry for living life my way. Sorry, then please, please, would you, would you forgive me? Would you accept my allegiance to you to live life your way? Sorry, please, and thank you. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for your son's sacrifice, for giving me the righteousness of Jesus, for blasting the tunnel open, and for welcoming me home. And please, if you make this choice here, here today or even over the next few weeks, come and let me know or the person who brought you here. Because the truth is that you may have come here for the rubber duck. But God has brought you here for the tunnel. And there is light at the end of that tunnel. Let's pray.
Lord, I thank you that you are real, that you're not just uh, some religious made-up fantasy to help us feel good, but that you're the one who helps us look at the realities of life in its face and say, my God is bigger than you. And so, Lord, I pray for those here today um, who, who are struggling, uh, who don't yet know life, Lord, uh, who, who've been chasing after the, the things of this world, just like Zach and Adrian shared, and yet it never made them happy, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that, uh, that, that this feeling would extend past this moment, Lord, and that, uh, that they would understand what it means to walk through a tunnel and to see that there's light at the end of the tunnel, that there is a good God, that through repentance and faith, they can have a clean slate, a new start with the creator of this universe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.